Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This is the second part of the most difficult Trans Tuesday I've written. I'm going to rip my heart out for our season finale as we conclude our talk on trans people and AI in the past three, aka the new past two, aka trans grief. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the lady I wish had been my high school girlfriend because we would have been the hottest couple in the entire school, Susan Bridges. We definitely would not have been. Are you? What? Yeah, I was not. I was such a dork in high school. So was I, but we'd be hot dorks. (laughs) Hot dorks. Okay. All right. Our returning guest is Miriam Roburn, a housewife who writes books and games and things. She prefers very short bios to minimize the anguish of writing and listening to them. Welcome back, Miriam. Hi, thank you. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, what is being a trans housewife like? Do you run into other cis housewives? How's acceptance in the housewife circle? I, hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's there's not a lot of community in being a housewife, unfortunately. Uh. I do, I do, however, have a sweatshirt that I have modified with our cricket machine because that there's nothing more housewifey than modifying your clothes with a cricket. But on the back, it now uh-huh. says "Transbian Trad Wife." Awesome! Um, so that's <laughs> yeah, that's my my personal favorite item of clothing right now. That is a fascinating having one foot in each world situation. Goodness! <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. But, you know, everything about transition is weird. Yeah. And, like, because there's there's all these weird thresholds of, like, gestalt enough changes that you yeah. enter a new, a new chunk. And I, I recently have hit a weird acceptance phase, which I'm trying not to look too hard at. I'm just kind of getting blithely accepted. Very cool. Sometimes we don't question the good things. We're just happy they're there. Yes, yes, indeed. I I quietly asked my wife to stop mentioning that I'm trans. So I, I asked my wife to stop mentioning that I'm trans because I noticed that people's face would fall when they figured mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Not cool. Yeah. I don't want to be stealth at all. I don't care. I kind of was aiming and hoping for being physically trans, but I really don't want that look of disappointment. That's not going to make any part of the ensuing interaction going to go well. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of eased off on that. And we'll see what the next random threshold brings us. Let me ask you this. Are there other lesbian couples with housewives that you know? Like, is that another sort of barrier that you found? Not is it locally. Mostly... No? Not locally. <laughs> 
way back, pre-transition, we joined a UU church in Pasadena. And for some reason, we got a really friendly with all of the lesbians with kids. We would be out with the it's lesbians with kids all the time. We would go to their houses. I don't know why we fit in so well. Uh-uh. But not up here. Unfortunately, just we don't have that in our social circle. Yeah. I definitely do not tell people you're trans because it's none of your business. That's true. Which is also why I stick with queer because, again, none of your business. Okay, so for you, what has been the most surprising thing about your transition? Oh, man, I don't know. I, and I, <laughs> I, was, I was prepared for this one and I had, I had an answer and I've forgotten it. Here, let's go with this. Compliments. People just compliment, and it's and I. It really threw me, and it happened almost immediately as soon as they socially transitioned, and I realized that it's it's how our society interacts with women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. It's just how you confirm that you have seen the person is that you say, "Oh, you look nice today," and because. I, I could count on two hands, just barely. I need my thumb on the second hand. How many times my physical appearance was complimented by someone I was not intimate with Same. before, right? Yeah. Like I, I and, and, you know, there were no signs. I could, I kept count of them. I always, I could, I can't, unfortunately, I can't remember what they are now, but I knew there were six. And now it's just, it's social lubrication. Everybody just says that to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, we did an episode or, about or all the fems do. Yeah. And, and I talked a bit about it in the episode we did on compliments about how one of the coolest things now is that I can compliment other women without seeming like a skis or like I'm trying to hit on them or I just want to say, hey, I love your shoes or your hair looks beautiful today. You know, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and I never know how much of that was actually, I would feel, I would come across as weird or how much I worried about coming across as weird. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, the last thing I ever wanted to do was make a woman feel uncomfortable. So I was like, I'd I'd rather just not say anything because I don't want her to feel threatened by me or, you know, anything like that. So I would always just keep it to myself and now I don't have to and that's really cool. So... What is one piece of advice that you would give to people who are just starting their transitions? Get your eyebrows done. Nah, I've never had mine done. I agree. Oh my God, no. it's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go. We, we can, we can record the rest of this later. Go down. <laughs> we should both do it. Well, the thing is you can't really, I have big glasses and long bangs, so you can hardly ever see my eyebrows, but they are there and they could probably use a little something. So. Yeah. And I forgot to mention this in the last episode, so I want to be sure we get it out there now. But where can people find you online if they would like more Miriam after listening? Oh, well, all my stuff's at miriamrober.com. And if you want the the downloadable stuff is all at miriamrober.itch.io. Excellent. We can check out your game stuff there, yeah? Yeah. Cool. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Okay. So... It is vital that you listen to the first part of this before continuing on to see how the AI-generated yearbook photos affected me and all the things they brought up. So please listen to episode 48 before listening to the rest of this episode. And just to reiterate before we dive in, I do not support AI being used to do creative jobs humans should be doing. At all. 
I mean, this is an even real AI, actually, but that's an entirely different discussion. So, what did getting these yearbook photos do to me? Seeing them was a complete jumble of emotions. Because it's AI, some were hilarious and awful, but a lot were surprisingly very good, and it seemed to lean less into stereotypes than FaceApp. I got nerdy and sporty and girly and butch photos. It was a trip. And all of the photos that I'll be discussing here can be viewed in the social media and text versions of this topic from TillysTransTuesdays.com. I'm not going to describe them all here because there's too many, but I'm going to talk about what they did to me. Lots of them didn't look like me, but lots did. And it was this heady feeling of, I could have been her. I always was her, but I was forced to bury her. But she was in there with me for my whole life, and this might have been me if I was allowed to let her out. So Miriam... You did this as well. What was your yeah. first reaction to the photos that you got back? What did you think of them? It, it was amazing and startling. And I, words fail to describe the experience. Yeah. But my first, there's there's a number. And like each, each photo triggers a different response. But a number of them, I didn't think that could have been me. I, I That's me. Yeah. Was my response. I just... I, there's this, there's, and there's a couple of them that they like just looking at them, it immediately overwrote my memories of high school. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into that for both of us real soon, but you could feel it happening. It was just yeah. bizarre. It was. I mean, I think we all probably have some memories we'd like to rewrite from high school. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Okay. So if you've followed me on social media for any length of time, you know that I'm a writer and my brain never stops. You can see it in my daily pre-coffee thoughts. You can see it in the thread of screenshots I've been posting as I play through Starfield, which is linked in the show notes. They're very funny and charming, just like me. But what I want to make clear <laughs> is that I'm not sitting down and writing a story based on those screenshots. I'm writing out what's going on in my head as I play the game. It happens with every video game ever. Truly, my brain never stops. So as I sorted through every yearbook photo this app gave me, tossed the ones that were bad or not me or whatever, something formed. A history. An alt but not quite alt. A real but not quite real history of the me I didn't get to be. Events that I went through but as if I got to be me. And I'm not the only one. I have a friend who turned theirs into an actual printed physical yearbook they could hold. And Miriam here even turned hers into a video, which is linked in the show notes, and you should watch it because it's very cute and has a running gag about berets. So what inspired you to make It is, it is the most self-indulgent thing I've ever made. It's wonderful. What? I it's loved it so thing. much. Well, why did you make it? Oh, thank you. Well, so when you, because first of all, I, I think this is important information for anybody listening. They give you 60 photos. It's not yeah. a little bit. Wow. I, Holy cow. I thought it was going to be like six to eight photos. No, they give you 60. It's a chunk. Yeah. And they run the gamut. They are so wild. Yeah. They, they run the gamut. And there's some of them you look at, you're like, oh, oh God, I thought I looked so good in the picture and I didn't, but I, I, I held on to this one for a year. I thought this was how I looked. Yeah. And, but they also, there's, at least for my set, there was a, an age range too. There were some yeah. that looked very, very young and some that looked a lot older. Right. And one of the first things I did was I started 
mentally sorting them into a timeline. And then yep, that's I was, what I did. And the way that my brain works, my brain will start doing a thing and I have just learned that I should just let it go. So I just, okay, <laughs> apparently I'm going to, I'm going to make a timeline. I might as well like actually do this. So I, I got yeah. them all in a little iPhotos folder and I put them into order just because that my brain really wanted to see them in order. Yeah, and mine too. Once they were in order, once I had a timeline, then it started making a story. And first, my first thought was that I would just write down the story, but then I was like, but there's this photo element to it. So maybe I could make some sort of weird layout thing. Yeah. But that didn't sound right at a video, which I don't make, sounded like the best option. So I decided to put way too much effort and time into <laughs> making a video slideshow of the high school years that never happened. Yeah. Well, with mine, I do not see the yearbook photos that I got as me being born cis. They're me, and by that I mean me. She's trans. But she was born into a much more accepting home life with the family who encouraged her to be who she really was. This is Tilly who got to transition as a kid. So in Alt Tilly's seventh grade class photo, the curls were definitely coming in and she realized being able to see would be somewhat helpful, so she got glasses. She hated the tie, but was talked into it by her friends in the chess club. Yes, I was in the chess club. Shut up. <laughs> Eighth grade Alt Tilly found confidence being with the oldest kids in middle school and one step from high school and discovered how to enhance her curls. She also discovered sports were cool and was able to deal with contacts, unlike me. She also got crushes on girls. And then we get to Alt Tilly's high school freshman photo. She leaned into her nerdery. Physical science class was her favorite, and she got into running track and joined the volleyball team. She had her first girlfriend, and it didn't end well because she fell really hard. Too hard. As part of leaning into her nerdery, Alt Tilly joined the high school chess team and was the best player despite being a freshman. That is true. Her growing confidence convinced her to join the drama club, and she fell for the arts really hard. Creating collaborative art was magic. Alt's sophomore year was a strange one. No longer the youngest in the school, trying to figure out what becoming a woman meant, and a horrible crush on her English teacher that made her get flushed every day in class. She said it was because she just came from P.E. True? Who knows? She was still the best player on the chess team, but tradition said board one of eight always went to a senior, so she had to settle for board two. She felt this was a grave injustice and somehow let herself be talking to yet another tie for the team photos. By the time drama club photos rolled around, she thought losing the bangs would help her look more mature and would help her land a big part in Bye Bye Birdie. But Alt Tilly also could not act, so she ended up on the crew, but she loved it. Junior year, Alt Tilly sprouted forth into adulthood in ways she wasn't ready for. She got another girlfriend, and despite knowing better, she fell just as hard because she only feels with the entirety of her heart. True. Also, she welcomed the bangs back so she wouldn't look too old. Alt Tilly was still in the drama club and got to thinking, someone writes these plays. Who? How? Could? Could I write one? Would the drama club perform it? She spent hours in her room writing plays she was sure would make her famous, they were terrible. Still angry about not getting to be board one on the chess team and having finite time, she dropped chess club for the softball team because she'd always loved baseball and she was a hell of a good second base woman. Hated what it did to her hair, though. 
Alt Tilly once again trimmed her bangs before senior year because the sweat dripping from them into her eyes during softball games was too much to bear. She and her girlfriend broke up, only for her to get back together with her first girlfriend. Feelings were so confusing. Her <laughs> girlfriend talked her into joining the cheerleading team, and while she loved the athleticism, she absolutely hated that she was forced to cheer for boys. Ugh. And they wouldn't let her cheer for girls' sports. She didn't last long. Looked fab in the uniform, though. She and her girlfriend broke up again. Girl, it didn't work with her the first time. Why would it go any better now? She let her bangs grow back in and discovered she loved seeing her biceps grow and started boxing, though not competitively. Buff ladies were hot. Why not be one? True. Alt Tilly got asked to prom by another girl she was crushing on, and they had a lovely time, but they figured out mid-dance they were really better off as friends. And that's okay, she wasn't too heartbroken about it, but was heartbroken to look back at her prom dress because, oh, it's so ugly. Freshman year of college, Alt Tilly discovered fan fiction, and her playwriting morphed into writing stories in her favorite universe with her favorite characters, to the detriment of her grades. She didn't care. The writing bug had her, and it had her good. College sophomore Alt Tilly met Susan and fell for her harder than she'd ever fallen for anyone. Only now did she learn what actual love was and those past crushes felt silly. She changed her major to screenwriting. She had no idea what this life was, but it excited her. College junior Alt Tilly well. She looks back on this time with embarrassment because she fell into the trap of thinking she needed to be harder and tougher than she was and thought she needed to dress the part. She discovered it was very much not her thing. College senior Tilly discovered that what she didn't want helped her find what she did. She didn't grow the bangs out, though, wanted to be taken seriously in Hollywood after she graduated. She married Susan. It was small but beautiful. They left for L.A. full of unstoppable energy. But she shortly realized that she missed her bangs and they were a part of the truest expression of herself. And so she grew them back out. And who did she become? The writer lady you all know and love. Yes, you do so love me because this is my essay and I said so. So I want to ask Susan, as the person who's known me the longest and certainly the best, what did you think of those yearbook photos? Did they look like me? Would you have fallen for her? They do look like you. Yeah. But at the time, I was still very confused about my sexuality. Yeah. So even though I was already hanging out with gay people. Yes. And thought this was very normal. Yeah. And actually, one of the gay people I was hanging out with was in a straight relationship, but then definitely was gay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know if, yeah. And then once I got into college, I was conflicted about, you know, body image and things. A lot of it due to the way I was raised, and yep. also not really understanding how yep. to dress myself because I was not allowed to choose my own clothing. That till I yep. doubt pretty much. Yeah. So it was all okay. A lot. But in a world, if we're imagining better, better worlds, <laughs> in a world where you had accepted your sexuality back then and you were free to be yourself as well, would you have been into alt college Tilly? <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah. I was. Yeah, you would have. I mean. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, you would have. <laughs> I would have. It's her you. essay. It's, that's right. It's my essay. So no, no. But I wanted your answer. You think so? I mean, I always said like it was. Frankly, astonishing that I buried you. Yeah. Because I was so into women. <laughs> well, surprise. Surprise. You chose well. So, yeah. So that was my experience with these AI-generated yearbook photos. 
They're not taking jobs from anyone and aren't stealing art, but does that mean they're ethical? Is this one of the rare okay uses for AI? Maybe? I don't know. I, I mean... I don't know. Stealing art, you gotta... Yes, it's taking the photos that you give it, and it's adding that to its... Yeah. But whatever its original training was, that's really the question. Well, right, but our yearbook photos art. That's the whole thing we talked about. No, last well, time. I, mean, I don't know. The thing about AI that I feel is that it doesn't matter if it's art or not. Yeah. If it if the data set is built on exploiting other people, then it doesn't matter. Right. But is anyone being exploited by this? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. The original data know. set is the question. Yeah. And if we don't know. The original know. data set is one that was built off of unknowingly. Maybe. But it's hard to say. It's hard to know. As I mentioned, I do not have childhood photos of myself that could somehow be gender swapped in Photoshop or something. So without this app, I wouldn't have anything. I couldn't have gotten them any other way. And I found that they are incredibly meaningful to me. So Miriam, what is your final verdict on your AI yearbook photos? Was it just a fun divergence? Do they hold real meaning? Is there any grief mixed I think in with already that? Answered some things. Yeah, well. <laughs> So I didn't get any grief. I was okay. I was really worried about the grief and I didn't get it. Partly because I I have like done the the research and even if I had come out in my yeah. in, especially if I come out in middle school, like I my timeline has it, puberty blockers weren't prescribed at that time. Yeah. Puberty and I it's it's so close for me. It's it's literal like two years off from when yeah. I, I, puberty blockers started being prescribed two years after my natal puberty. So I, I would have just missed it. In addition to my family being very different, my church life being very different, I also need like the state of medicine to be completely different. Yeah. Yep. So for me, at least it was, it was enough of a fantasy that I didn't feel like I, I could have been mine. That said, yes, this is very important to me. And like I, especially after I constructed my timeline, I, I, I put serious thought into it. I put like an hour or so working my way through it. Like I, I asked myself, can I just start believing that this is what happened? Yeah. Like, can, can I... It's delusional, but can I do that? What's the consequences if I just refer to this high school experience as my real college experience or high school experience? And eventually I got to the point where no, that's that's delusional. I shouldn't do that. But it was it was close. And I do I do fondly remember my alternate universe high school years because they are they are so close to memory yeah and i know it, it's magical it is because if i think if i think of what happened in my junior year and i think about what happened in my final timeline junior year they both sound equally plausible which which is bonkers it's yeah absolutely not rational but it it feels real and yeah. and in the earlier episode we read a comment on the survey i i did this project and a number of other things happens because you can never actually separate cause and effect in transition because so much is happening yep. all at once yeah but right after i did this i hit one of those thresholds and i just saw a woman in the mirror 
right? Yeah. And I I believe that at least part of that is having seen myself as a girl in high school and having like really worked through what it would have felt like and what how yeah. I would have gone through all of those experiences and that provided some sort of emotional foundation that I could build on. And I don't know, I'm now getting emotional talking about it. I'm emotional about mine because too. It's, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's it's really and it's the weirdest thing because it's emotional about something that didn't happen. I you you have no idea how much restraint I'm using. I'm I'm being a minister's wife again, which I haven't had to be in a while. But yeah, cuz you could go see a movie and have an emotional connection with it, but there's a theater full of people who are yeah. also having an emotional connection with it and like I I nobody else cares about this story. Like I don't, and that's not on them. It's not a paucity of sympathy on their part. It just doesn't matter to them, and it matters so much to me. Yeah, and and I don't. I've I've never found anything that is so idiosyncratic important to me. Yeah, that's a good way of putting so, it. Yeah, it's. It's a very weird experience. I really, really, really enjoyed is. doing it. I'm really happy that I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're right, because I would sometimes think back about, like, what would it have been like if I got to be me, if I got to be, a, you know, a little girl or whatever? And you think about it, but it was it was always more abstract. And this let me see, like, especially the youngest ones, you know, like from middle school. And I look at them and I'm like, that looks like me. That could have been me. What would that have been? You know, it gives you it opens new avenues that you didn't get to explore before I think and it meant a lot to me too but well I have more to say about that because I've also I've never been able to look at photos of myself through the years before because I don't have them and I could never watch myself grow and evolve and do you know what it's like to not have that and now I can look at these and I can watch myself age and change and become who I am and it's really remarkable but I can also see the lifetime that I lost and they effed me up. I'm not going to lie. There was a definite pain at what could have been, what might have been. But then I also realized that in some ways, somehow it's also what was. Because a lot of trans people that I've talked to anyway, like to go back and reimagine their memories, what few they may have if they struggled with dissociation, with the real them in, in place of the them that was there before. Some even try to remember them only that way. And there's something really healing in that, believe it or not. Because that version of us was there. They were with us our whole lives. Maybe we didn't know it or knew but couldn't do anything about it. Either way, transphobic society stole that from us. It stole our childhoods and our lives. And a quick note before we continue. After the first draft of this essay, I was emotionally distraught and really messed up, but also felt somehow good at the same time. It's so hard to explain. But the night after writing this, I had a dream. Now, as part of my HRT, I'm on progesterone, which is known to cause wild dreams, and I definitely get those. I've posted several of them, calling them progesterone dream theater. Look them up if you want to read some of the most bonkers stuff ever. No progesterone dreams have been bad or nightmares, but they've all been really, really intense. Every feeling in them is amplified by a thousand. And my dream the night after writing this was about me as I am now. And I was standing in front of two kids, a boy and a girl, and I was filled with an overwhelming sadness. 
and I wrapped them both up in my arms, and I hugged them so tight, and I was sobbing, and so were they, and they were me, both of them, the me I was forced to be, and the me I really was. They were both there, and are both still part of me. And it's not lost on me that this was my own super text. <laughs> if you've missed any of my trans allegory essays, it's the opposite of subtext. Likely because I avoided dealing with this grief for so long, my own Morpheus sat up and slapped me in the face with it and said, pay attention, lady. I woke up crying, which was a first, and I can still feel the depth of that sadness. But it's also, I guess the best thing to call it is catharsis, release, all this grief and anger and pain, and what was stolen got out of me. And to think that's not related to confronting my own trans grief that I put off addressing for so long would be folly. Confronting my grief, working through it, these yearbook photos helped me get there. I don't know how I could have approached dealing with this without them. The day after I had the dream, I wrote something to some friends, and I came back to add it into this essay because I think it's really important. After the heavy emotional toll of these Trans Tuesdays that will be the last for this year, I was emotionally numb, raw, and last night I had a super intense dream where I felt depths of sadness I'd never known and woke up crying, which has never ever happened before. But it was this cathartic release. I am changed. I haven't felt this different between one day and the next since the day before I accepted my transness and the day after, or the day before I told my wife and the day after, or the day I came out publicly and the day after, or the day I started HRT and the day after. I didn't think I had any more of these. A mountain of weight I didn't want to acknowledge was dealt with and is gone. I'm 50 pounds lighter. I can fly. This finally allowed me to deal with my grief and fill a black pit of despair that was still there. I am changed. Now, I'm not telling you to go use this app. I'm not saying if you did, it would help you as much as me or help you at all. It might be too painful. And again, the ethics of this are murky. I don't think anyone's being hurt by it, but the bottom line is we don't know. But for me, yes, this hurt. It hurt so bad. But these photos healed me in ways I'm finding it difficult to describe because it lets me see how the real me would have handled the things that I went through. How it might have gone, who I might have been. When you see these AI-generated yearbook photos or face app photos, please try not to hold judgment against the trans people who use them. We're just searching for a way to ease the pain of a life taken from us. Thanks for being here, Miriam. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone out there listening so much. I feel we've had a really incredible first season. We're going to take the rest of the year off to recover and we'll return to start season two in mid-January. I hope you all have an absolutely lovely holiday season and a beautiful new year full of love and hope and joy. For me, these yearbook photos brought a sense of peace, a sense of reclaiming what was mine. It was mine and it was ripped away without my consent. This was and is my life to live. And yet it wasn't. But now, well, if only. If only the world wasn't transphobic. If only who we really are was allowed to show, to grow, to be. When I look at these photos, I feel somewhere in the multiverse. It happened. I smile. And I'm fulfilled. And I weep for if only. Tilly Bridges and transmission.
Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Hot <laughs> dorks.